Hello, this is Philip Norval Joe Carroll, author and narrator of the Pariah Podcast. This is episode 11. An audience with the king. Nit closed his eyes and waited for the dry burn of overuse to ease. His hand remained poised over the sand tray. The stylus pinched delicately between fingertips. Nit! Wake up! Funglas barked at him and rushed across the creaking floorboards. His arthritic knees snapped and popped as loudly as the wood plank floor. If I've told you a thousand times to remain alert when scribing the runes, then I must tell you a thousand times again. The slightest mistake can generate the greatest catastrophe. Nit opened his eyes and looked up at the man leaning over him with crazed bloodshot eyes and a madman's spittle formed on his lips. He inhaled a calming breath, blinked his eyes once and said to his master, And if I've told you a thousand times that the sage wax candle dries my eyes, it wouldn't be far from exaggerating. The old man inflated like a toad, standing more erect with each breath as he added energy to his impending rant. Nit quickly drew wool cloak in the upper left corner of the sand tray in case his mentor became too agitated to control himself. The protective rune would prevent Fungus from so much as dropping a hair onto Nit's person. Relax, old man, Nit said in an affectionate yet dismissive tone. I've told you equally many times that I am instantly alert and aware of the stylus on the sand tray any time I take the wooden piece in my hand. I don't like how you speak to me. I am your mentor. I have raised you, paid for your training, and could still sell you to the slave masters if you anger me too much, he said, and dragged a stool closer to Nit's desk, settling on it with a wheeze like a bellows. I will be twelve tomorrow, Nit said, unable to keep defiance from his voice. I will be old enough to apprentice myself to a master, and you will be able to do nothing about it. With my skill at writing, there isn't a scribe or accountant in the entire capital who wouldn't apprentice me. Nit slid the stylus into its velvet tube and folded his arms. And that would be the biggest waste of arcane talent our world would ever see, Fungus mumbled, pressing a closed fist to his lips. He tapped his knuckles rapidly against his cane and said, Never mind that. We have a new task ahead of us in the morning one you have been preparing for these many years. Are we going on another expedition to gather more gifted sand or scrying water? No, 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 Fungus said, rising halfway from the stool. I told you, you've already prepared for this. Gather your things. We will leave before the morning light. We have a mission for the king, which must be accomplished tomorrow before sunset. Go, go, go. I will wake you in sufficient time. Fungus dragged away to his private room, leaving Nit staring at pigeonholes in the head of his desk. Gather my things? Nit asked no one. He took the stylus from the velvet pouch and smoothed the rune from the corner of the sand tray before he returned the wooden stick to its case and carefully lowered the sand tray into a drawer. He placed the sheathed stylus beside it and slid the drawer slowly closed. His things were not those he used every day to practice new runes purchased from shady, hooded characters living on distant islands in the coastal lowlands. 
He used those tools every day to learn the runes, all they could find, and some that Fungus knew nothing about, like wool cloak, which Nit had designed himself. The time of his learning had passed. He was ready to use tools crafted by his own hands, imbuing them with special power, extra strength from his own sweat and blood. From driftwood gathered along the ocean shores, Nit had built his own sand tray, carefully planing the gnarled and warped wood until it was as straight as an arrow shot from the finest bow, sanded and smoothed to a silken finish without oil or wax. Running his finger along the edge, then touching it to his tongue, Nit could still taste the ocean salt from the wood's sole. On a second expedition north from the capital, Nit and Fungus carried a bottle blown from sacred sand of the coastal lowlands. They searched countless nights, led by the glass itself, until they found an inland dune of the purest, whitest sand imaginable. Only the same magic sand from which the bottle was made could fill the vessel. Further trips were taken north to fill bottles with water from lowland springs and ink from rare purple swamp lilies. These were the items Nit gathered into a linen satchel with individual pockets to safely cradle each fragile bottle and instrument. He took the kit with him and set it next to his cot where he spent the night in sleepless contemplation of what the following day would bring. At one point, as the setting moon shone its last rays on the waxed paper of his window, Nit realized he must have slept when he startled awake. Opening his eyes, a trick of the light caused two elongated shadows to stretch the height of his wall and bend their macabre faces and outstretched arms across the cracked, plastered ceiling. Unable to move, not even to draw in breath, he watched the shades shift from side to side, at times melding into one and then splitting apart in a morbid dance of death. Their outlying arms and faces appeared to peel from the ceiling and the wall and reach down toward Nit's face and his head and run their skeletal, incorporeal fingers through his hair. Shuddering at their touch, he squeezed his eyes shut and gasped a long, jagged breath. Gathering enough courage to open his eyes again, he found the moon completely set, the window as consistently black as the rest of his room. Though he felt he was completely alone in his bedroom, the memory of the demon's touch on his head was as sharp and unmistakable as a toothache. The familiar thump and scrape of Fungus moving about outside of his room told Nit it was time to rise. He scratched a striker above a candle and a single spark caught on the oily wick. He pulled on his least stained and threadbare tunic and hose. If he was to see the king, he wanted to be his most presentable. Slipping into his boots, he carried his satchel in his arms, blew out the candle, and slipped through the blanket-shrouded doorway to the front of the house. Good, Fungus said, after a quick glance of knit from head to toe. Have some bread and cheese. We'll be out most of the day, and may not have the chance to eat until late. An hour later, Having wound their way through countless narrow streets, they stood at a servant's entrance on the leeward side of the royal castle's outer wall. 
The curved wall of the cylindrical tower rose just beyond it into the darkness above. Fungus pounded on the heavy door. Across the alley, a cat crept through weeds along a crumbling brick wall. Rotting boards supported a sagging roof of clay tiles for what might be a home, servants' quarters for the castle or one of the mansions on the windward side of the keep. Is someone... It began. Shh! Fungus cut him off and hissed between his teeth. Make no sound. Who needs to know knows we are here and will get us when the time is right. A moment later came a faint sound of a wheel turning and a chain lifting and a wooden beam scraping across the wooden plank door. A tall sliver of yellow light appeared as the door cracked open. What? A voice croaked from inside. You mean who? Fungus whispered, his lips close to the door frame. Why? The voice asked. Because the sun must rise and the moon must set to usher in the provenant day. Fungus spoke in a sing-song voice, like a mother telling nursery rhymes. Quickly, the man rasped, pushing open the door only wide enough for the two to scrape through. Nit waited behind Fungus as the man turned the wheel, lowering an iron-shod beam into solid stone, barring the door again. They followed their guide between the broad curve of the main keep and the outer wall, with enough space between them for ten men to walk side by side. Near the north by northeast compass point of the circular keep, they entered through a wrought iron door. Their guide locked this behind them with a heavy key. From there they climbed stone steps, following the inside curve of the wall, passing arrow slits on their left hand and the occasional door on their right. Nit perspired and breathed heavily as they reached a landing and opened a door to their right. Through the door, he was chagrined to find a stairway down from the high balcony overlooking the inner keep of the castle another cylindrical tower within the encircling outer keep. A short distance down the stone stairway, they stopped at a door to a room within the wall of the outer keep. Fungus was giddy with excitement as he turned to Nit and said, This is the first stage of our mission. You will perform the first rite of your elevation within this room. There is a table, their guide said his voice reminiscent of bullfrogs in the swamps around their home. It is to your left when you enter the room. Do your work at the table. Do not look at the woman, as her appearance alone may sway you to do her will. She is very powerful, though just as evil. Take care and do your deed. The man turned a key in the door and pushed it an inch inward. He turned his back on the door and stared, unmoving, into the inner court and keep. Come, Fungus demanded, reaching forward to push open the door. No, wait, Nit said, prepared for Fungus's tirade and impressed by the man's ultimate control. His eyes appeared to extend from their sockets to compete with the length of his nose, and his face turned so red his lips appeared white. Still, the man held his silence. Nit asked, what are we doing here? This woman, Fungus said in a shuddering whisper, this woman has committed crimes against the king and for this reason she must be punished. We are here to carry out the sentence. Now go in, turn to your left 
and set your sand tray on the table. Prepare the sand with the water we collected and wait for me to tell you which of the runes you must draw. Now go. Nit entered the room and turned as he was told. He couldn't see the table for his watering eyes. The smell of waste and rotting flesh overwhelmed him and he coughed and heaved as he searched with his hands for the table. He vomited to the side until there was nothing left in his stomach. Weak and shaking, he dragged the sand tray from the satchel and felt for the bottle of sand. He shook it and listened for the sound of the sand shaking within, though his eyes had begun to clear. He poured the sand and smoothed it with a stylus before sprinkling the blessed water on it, and he waited. Fungus dug in his cloak pocket to the sound of crisp parchment and drew out a small piece. Draw binding the wind, Fungus said. But that will, Nit said, turning toward his master, but saw instead the woman. She was emaciated beyond belief, beyond Nit's belief, that she could still live. What remained of her dark hair hung in thin strands to her waist. Her clothes appeared to have rotted from her body in years past, though she was so caked with filth she had lost the appearance of human nudity. Shackles bound her above the elbows because both hands had been chopped off, leaving scarred stubs at her wrists. Her eyes were sewn closed, as well as her lips, but leaving a small opening where food could be pushed into her mouth. Fungus took a knife and cut an X across the stump of one arm and said, Quickly now, draw the rune and capture some of her blood on this parchment. When Nit stood there, dumbfounded, Fungus screamed, Now! Before the woman bleeds out! He went to the sand tray and drew wool cloak in the upper left-hand corner and positioned the stylus to draw, binding the wind. What has this woman done to deserve death? Nit asked. I told you, she is a traitor to the king and queen and has been condemned to death. Quickly, she fades. You must make the binding before she dies. Nit finished the rune turned and took the parchment, but held it up before Fungus's eyes and asked, What has she done? She is evil. She is a witch. She is a curse on our land. She deserves to die, Fungus said, licking his lips and tugging the bleeding arm toward him. She's my mother, Nit said. Her face snapped toward him. A vile odor hissed from her nose. You can't know that. Fungus snapped at Nit and took his wrist, dragging it and the parchment to catch a drop of the woman's blood. I do know that her only crime is that she bore me, and now I must return that favor by drawing from her her last breath. Yes, she is your mother, Fungus wheezed. She hated you and left you, abandoned you to die in the swamps. But I, we, rescued you, and now you will live and be the most powerful man in the Westlands. Place the parchment on the sand. Don't forget the swamp lily oil, just a drop. Nit took one last look at the ruined heap that remained of what once had been his mother. He placed the parchment on top of the rune, drawn perfectly in the sand and tipped a single drop of blue liquid onto the smear of blood. The paper flashed yellow-orange like fire, consumed in an instant, and turned as gray as ash, everywhere but on the lines of the rune. From the small opening at the side of his mother's mouth, a moaning hiss drew out, slowly at first and then faster, her body a deflating bladder. 
The woman shook and wavered, then fell forward, leaning out over the floor, suspended by her shackles. A form rose up from her head, as if the greasy strands of hair floated above the woman and expanded to form one of the shades that had stood above Mitt's bed at moonset. Skeletal arms stretched away from the dead body, as if the shadow was elastic, but tacked by its feet to the woman's head, straining toward an air slit at the top of the room. With a soundless pop, it broke free and whisked away through the gap in the ceiling. Quickly, Fungalus screamed as the guard drew open the door. Quickly, we must get to your father first, or all will be lost. All will be wasted. Nit broke from his stasis and reached for the bottle to store his sand. No time for that! Fungalus wailed and snatched up the bottles of water and oil. Bring the tray! Nit carefully lifted the sand tray. Only the wool cloak rune remained. The other and the parchment had passed with the fulfillment of the curse. He followed his master carefully to prevent the sand from shifting and distorting the rune to a random arrangement which could cause unintentional and disastrous results. Up two flights of stairs, Fungus virtually danced in anxious anticipation, unable to shout his normal threats and insults at the boy. His master threw open the door. Pointing down, he hissed, On the floor! There is no time! Nit froze on the threshold. The shade of his mother hung in the air above a man, equally emaciated and filthy as her body had been. Though he must have worn a rotting tunic, he had removed it somehow and wrapped it around his neck. Bloodshot eyes bulged from his purple face. No! Fungus screamed and leapt on the man, pulling the shredded tunic from his neck. The man's lips moved, forming the ghosts of words. It's not too late, Fungus said, madness glazing his eyes. He pulled a knife from his belt and held it out to Nit. Quickly, take the knife and cut his throat. Now, before he passes on his own, you must kill him to attain your greatest powers. Powers? What powers should I need greater than what I have now? I am more adept at drawing runes than any of those who sold you the patterns, Nit said, placing the sand tray on the floor. Fungus licked his lips, shifting his gaze between the boy and the man, but said nothing. Nit jabbed the wooden stylus at his master and said, A seer must kill his own parents to gain the oracles. The younger the seer, when the deed is done, the stronger he will be. You wish to make me a seer? Yes, another has foretold it, Fungus said, raising the knife to the boy. You will be the greatest seer our world has known, if you will but perform the task. No! Nit shouted back, looking back and forth between the man who had taken the role of his father and the actual man whom he had never known. If I am to kill my own father, I will do it properly. Nit knelt on the floor before the sand tray. He examined the sand. The protective rune remained intact, and the balance of the sand undisturbed. He drew Desert River. Fungus took the man's right thumb with his left hand and cut it off. Nit's father groaned. Good, he lives he said, and turned toward the sand tray, though unable to approach it. What is this? What have you done? I'm protecting myself, Nit said, taking the severed thumb from the old man. When you could find no new runes for me to learn, I made a few of my own. Fungus opened and closed his mouth repeatedly like a grounded fish. Nit placed the thumb onto the rune and reached into his satchel for a piece of parchment. 
Before he could place the paper on top of the digit, the sand of the tray drew the blood from it. At the same time, the color drained from his father in a rush, and he collapsed to his palate, his shade issuing from the wound in his hand, like smoke from a chimney. The two shades hovered above Nit, eerie deja vu of his morning dream. It's done, Fungus screeched with glee. We have the oracles. Come, we must see the king. Nit stood, though he didn't follow his master to the door. Come, Nit, Fungus barked. Now! Nit closed his eyes and hung his head until his chin touched his chest. The oracles wafted down to hover behind and just above his head. When Nit opened his mouth, three voices spoke. The seer sees and the oracles speak. Who was servant is master and master is servant. The servant master's servant fails and fails and fails. The servant deceived his master to the master's greatness and power. The master's voices loved the mouth and hid him for safety's sake. The master's voices saw and knew the servant's lies, though bound by telling's tell and fate's fate. Ocean's child rises and the servant fails and fails and fails and loses more than more has had and awaits the fate of voices' pain and waiting rotting waits. A three, a three, a three, the third third rises and holds world's hold to be. The end of all the beginnings of all with the daughter of the East. The master's servant fails and fails and fails. A year, a year, a year, and the ocean's child will seek the third third if the ocean will be saved from the world and the world's daughter. Nit sighed and settled to the floor. The shades dissipated. I'm tired, he said, and knelt by the sand tray. Nit pinched the desiccated thumb between his thumb and fingertip and moved it to a pocket in the satchel. He picked up the tray and tipped a corner to the wide-mouthed jar to hold the sand, watching closely and brushing every grain possible into the container. He sealed it, twisting a wooden stopper into the broad mouth. He ran his fingers along the edge of the wooden tray, admiring again the familiar pale yellow wood grain he'd lovingly caressed so many times before. He slid the tray into the satchel and placed each of the bottles in their appropriate pockets before he made to stand. Come, Nit, on your feet, stupid boy, Fungus growled. We must meet with the king's advisor to inform him of our success. Our success? Nit asked, still on a single knee. Don't waste my time, Fungus said, turning to the door without a glance back at the boy or the crumpled form hanging by chains from the pallet. Nit rose, unsteadily, and walked to the corpse of his father. This was my father, the man you said hated me, who abandoned me to die in the capital swamps. He reached out to touch the bald head, skin already dry as old paper, crackling and peeling from the skull. His hand stopped an inch from contact and hung in the air. How long has he been here? How long have you known of his existence? That is not important. It is the past now. Our present task is to get to the king's advisor and reap the benefits of our success. You go, Keo spoke to the floor. I wish to spend a few moments with my father. Come, you ungrateful leech, Fungla stomped back to the boy. I have not sacrificed all these years to be robbed of my glory, robbed of presenting the king with his new seer. 
Nit lowered his hand and turned to the old man. I am not your prize, your reward, or your glory, Nit said. I will not serve the king as his seer. I will not do your will. Fungalus spun and hit the boy open-handed across the face. Nit collapsed to the floor in a heap on top of his satchel, unmoving. Stupid child, Fungalus said, staring down at him. You will do as I say, and you will call upon your oracles to serve the king, and the king will show me his gratitude and elevate me above all the other ministers of his government because of the visions I bring him. The Westerlands will rise and subjugate the proud fools of the Midlands, gaining all the riches and resources those imbeciles greedily hoard. Knit? The old man nudged him with a toe when the boy didn't move. Knit? Get up, you lazy louse! Still no movement. Fungalus knelt next to the boy and shook his shoulder gently. Knit? Are you all right? He asked, his voice quavering and light. Nit struck out, snatching the long wisps of thin hair floating above his mentor's head, and tore them easily from his sun-spotted scalp. Fungalus lost his balance and fell across the boy. Nit scrambled from beneath the old man's loose folds of flesh and hopped out of his reach. "'You vile puddle of dog vomit!' Fungalus crawled toward Nit. "'Give those to me or you'll be sorry!' I have the authority to lock you away, as we did to your parents, and leave you there until your clothes rot from your body, as we did to your parents. To let you die slowly, rotting away with your clothing and your will to live. Nit took the several hairs and twisted them between his fingers until they formed a short thread, which he tucked into a small pocket of his satchel, next to that holding his father's thumb. He laughed not with the gaiety of youth, but with the cynicism of his murdered parents. Though the shades did not appear above him, when he spoke their presence resonated in his words. Your authority is useless if you cannot see to find me, the setting moon, or if you cannot breathe, binding the wind, or if your knees and hips and all the joints of your body have become solid and unbending, warrior's statue." He lifted the satchel strap across his shoulder and said, No, I am not the one who will be sorry, not sorrier than I already am. In this last hour you have taken everything from me but my life. You have killed my parents, buried my youth, and stolen my future. Do not try to stop me or send anyone after me, and I will allow you to die on your own without any great deal of additional pain. Try to interfere with me. And if those around you pity your screams, they will cut your throat when I draw the snake sheds, or the ripening fruit, or boiling water, and cast a single of your hairs upon the rune. Nit stood in the doorway, staring down on the cowering form of his former master. Frightening, isn't it, how well you've taught me? Nit retraced his steps back to his mother's cell, went in and closed the door, jamming a wedge of wood beneath it, preventing it from opening while he worked. He cut a lock of her hair and added it to his father's digit. Carrying a part of their bodies would further tie the oracles to him. He knelt on the floor, poured sand into his tray, and drew silent feather, laid a strand of his former master's hair across it, and bound it and the rune to parchment with swamp lily oil. Rolling the parchment into a small tube shape, He slid the rune into the small gap between his mother's lips. 
Until he held the rune again in his own hand, Fungus would be unable to speak. Nit then drew wool cloak and bound it to himself with a hair from his own head, parchment, and lily oil. A rune bound to himself wouldn't hold as long as to another, though this would last long enough to get him free from the castle and slip into the mists of the bog. The oracles had told him he had three years to prepare to meet the pariah, and Nit knew where he wanted to go to ready himself. Thank you for listening to the Pariah Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like more, stop by my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Joe and see how you can help me produce these episodes and earn some bonuses for yourself at the same time. If you could help me out by going to iTunes and leaving a review, I'd love you for the rest of my life. Any kind of feedback to an author producer is more sustaining than food and water. If you'd like to know what else I've written, or am writing, stop by my website at norvaljoe.com or like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash philipcarrollauthor. Philip with one L, Carol with two R's and two L's. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.